Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Red Cup Auburn podcast. We have a very, very eventful week that has already happened and more stuff that has uh, yet to happen. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, this game against Alabama needs very little introduction, but I think we're kind of going to give just a quick breakdown of last week's win against Tennessee. Then we'll preview uh, the Iron Bowl a little bit, and then we will shift our focus to basketball with the season starting tomorrow against St. Joseph's. But Wheeler, I'm going to hand it off to you. What were your initial thoughts uh, of the win against the Tennessee Volunteers? I thought it was a perfect, perfect game for Auburn to play before the Iron Bowl. I mean, it couldn't have gone better because we had the rust. Clearly, Auburn had rust from coming off of the long break. Okay? We saw that in the first quarter. The team had a little bit of adversity. They knocked the rust off. They ended up winning comfortably. Nobody got a targeting foul. That was great. The only thing that did not go well, in my opinion, in the Tennessee game were the injuries. That's not good. No bueno. Right now, uh, I think you posted on the page today the injury updates. Um, And I think probably the most important injury update that we're all looking for is Tank. Um, I think even if Tank was requiring a hip replacement, they would say that he is questionable just to throw Bam off. So I don't know that we can really trust what the injury report is on Tank. Um, different rumors around the web look like a lot of people think it's a hip pointer, which typically is an injury that you're out two to three weeks for. Um so if that is the case, he might be out or he may just get shot up with a cortisone shot. Um, I'm kind of getting carry on Johnson SEC championship vibes here of like the guy is a competitor. The reason he came to Auburn was to play in games like the Iron Bowl. He doesn't want to miss the Iron Bowl, so he'll do whatever it takes to play. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be tank, you know? Yeah, I agree. I would be I would be shocked if we saw a the same tank Bigsby that we have been seeing all season. Uh, I think he'll play. I don't think he'll do much. I think he'll be out there and just not do a whole lot. And you also got to think, I mean, Alabama defense is going to do exactly what Georgia did in 17. They're going to go for the injured spot. They're going to try and knock him out of the game. That's just what's going to happen. Which Um, hitting someone's hip is much harder to do than hitting their ribs. Yeah. Hitting their ribs, hitting their knee hitting their ankle because like you can twist those things a lot more whereas a hip like I don't know I feel like that's a hard place to hit because like their knees are driving up and stuff yeah and I mean like if you had it's rare that you had just have a direct shot at somebody's hip you know yeah, exactly. like, I mean, usually if you get a direct shot at someone's hip they're just going to get blown up 
Exactly. Uh, but yeah, uh, more on that on the injury front. KJ Britt is officially out. He had the thumb surgery at the beginning of October. Uh, we're hopeful that he'll be back by Texas A&M, maybe Mississippi State. Um, but yeah, he will, he'll be out, and that'll be a loss. But I feel like that's as much as it you know, as much as he's a great player, I feel like it's less of a loss than Tank, just because we've kind of gotten used to him not being there, and Tank were not really. You know, last week was kind of the first week since week one where Tank wasn't a focal point of the offense. So, you know, DJ and Shivers are definitely going to have to step up. And then you've also got Bradarius Ham and Alec Jackson, two offensive linemen, both questionable. Uh, definitely, definitely hopeful that they can play because if you're wheeling out two backup offensive linemen, you're backup running back against the number one team in the country. It's difficult to come out with a win for sure. I think so. Um, but, I mean, that being said about Sean Shivers, the guy balls during the Iron Bowl. Like, Definitely. It's just what he does. Uh, you look back two years ago, he the run got called back on a bogus holding call. There was no holding. Therefore, I count it as a play that he made. 80-yard touchdown run, first play of the game. Last year, I don't think anyone needs to be reminded of what he did. So – one play where he showed the speed, one play where he showed the power. Um, I expect Sean to have a really good game against Alabama uh, in their suspect defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it'll be interesting. And this was kind of uh, – I feel like Chad Morris has done a fantastic job this year of subbing out running backs. You know, like I feel like the running backs, like – I feel like the number one and the number two guy have had similar carry counts. I feel like Since when Tank's there – Carolina game. Huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely since South Carolina game, yeah. But, like, you look – I mean, DJ had 11 for 66. Sean had 14 for 65. Uh, I think that he has done a really good job of subbing those guys in and out, and I think he'll continue to do that. Kind of building on that Tennessee game, I thought that the running game was pretty good. I thought we were building up holes. I thought that the running backs had good averages. Uh, I thought Bo played well with the exception of the interception. That was just kind of a a forced throw. But, I mean, you know – He's a competitor, wanted the touchdown. Force throw and his receiver didn't help him out too much. I think that is true. Bad is play true. by both players. I agree. But I do I did like seeing that Bo bounce back. Because we really haven't seen Bo bounce back from an interception and come back to win the game since I believe the Oregon game. You know, yeah. like the Oregon game, the first the his first start, he threw two picks and he ended up bouncing back. But you know, on the first pick, he still, you know, his his bounce back, but he still threw another one. So I feel like he did a good job of kind of putting it behind him and going on to get the win. And I think that's good for confidence because even if, you know, we're in Tuscaloosa and he throws a pick, he can, you know, remember the Tennessee game where he threw a pick and he still ended up winning the game fairly convincingly. I think that's good. Uh, honestly, the biggest problem, the biggest, not problem, but concern that I had uh, in that game was Eric Gray just had his way. I mean, 22 carries, 173 yards, and a touchdown. He averaged eight yards per carry. I mean, that's just a monster performance. I thought we did a decent job of shutting down the running game besides him. But, I mean, Najee Harris is a much better running back than Eric Gray, so I definitely think that our run defense is going to have to step up if we want to contain Najee Harris because we could not do it against Eric Gray. I – so I went and watched the game over again. And the encouraging thing to me was it didn't seem like we were just missing tackles. It seemed to be assignment things. 
um, which is not something that we're used to seeing out of Kevin Steele's defenses. And I honestly attribute it to the fact that, one, the Auburn defense had a lot of time on where they weren't, you know, practicing their run fits and everything. It was a lot of walkthroughs. But, two, Tennessee had 21 days to prepare for a game that Jeremy Pruitt absolutely had to win. Um, Yeah. And so you never know when they're just given weird looks that they haven't given all year and how those match up, you know? Um, Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, for sure. So I think that there's kind of an explanation, in my opinion, of how the running backs were, you know, carving our defense up, and I don't expect that at all. Let me say it this way. I think if Najee Harris is carving up Auburn, it will be because of the scheme we're playing. Um, I was listening to the three-man front – today on the way home from work and uh Cole was talking about how a lot of times in a game like this running backs will just go off and have monster games because what Auburn can't afford to do is give up tons of big plays Mm -hmm. uh if you watch Alabama's games throughout the year a lot of teams are actually really competitive with them and then Bama hits a deep ball and then another deep ball you know what I'm saying and so if you're playing sitting back to defend the deep ball basically um then you're giving up the running game uh and so i think i could see kevin Steele's plan being hey we're going to give up a lot of yards to Najee, but we don't want to give up the big chunk plays we're going to keep everything in front of us and we're going to go down and we're going to make tackles because that's honestly been the strong suit of this defense has been coming up and making tackles in the running game in short passing situations and so i think the best way to defend alabama on saturday is going to be to keep everything in front of you and just give them their yards, but try and keep them out of the end zone. Yeah, I agree. And as crazy as it sounds, Alabama doesn't want to run the football. Like the, the days of where Alabama fans and coaches want to just give the ball to their running back 42, I think Derek Henry had 42 carries against us in 2015, but it's like, and just run it down your throat. Those days are behind us. Like you go back to 17, really 17, 18 and 19, the past three iron bowls, the run worked, and they just deserted it. Like, in 18, less less of that, they kind of just started with passing the ball. But in 17 and 19, the two Iron Bowls that Auburn won, they started running – I mean, they were running the ball to start the game, and they were kind of running down our throats, and then they just kind of deserted the run and started throwing it, and that's when the defense kind of stepped up and got some stops. Um, so, I think that, that it is another thing. And another thing, like, when you watch Alabama play, I feel like when they run the ball – they don't run the ball to get first downs or to get touchdowns. I feel like they run the ball to open up a play action bomb. And, and they that's just happen just, to have one of the best running backs in college football. Exactly. So when they their their setup runs just look like a really good offense, but that it's not what they're trying to do. They don't want to run the ball 50 times a game. They want to throw the ball. They want Mac Jones to have a huge night. And I think that that's mainly if Auburn stops Mac Jones. I think if Mac Jones has a bad game, I don't think they'll beat us because of Najee Harris. You know, like I think if Mac Jones has multiple turnovers and has the worst game of the season, I think Auburn comes out on top. So that's kind of my opinion with uh, what Alabama's offense is kind of wanting to do. Now, here's the question for you, Nobs. Obviously, uh, at the time that we've recorded this podcast, Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID. He has mild symptoms. You know, who knows if they're going to have, you know, four negative tests and have another big reveal that Saban's walking out of the tunnel and has defeated the pandemic. 
Um, but assuming that, you know, he's a normal person and that he's actually out on Saturday, do you see it actually affecting the game? Or if so, how much? I really don't, honestly. Uh, I think that – I think Saban's good at delegating. I think that Sarkeesian, who is most likely going to be the interim head coach for the game, I think he'll just kind of execute the game plan, how Alabama's been practicing. Uh, I, I feel like in games, I'm not really – because, like, defensively, I don't think – I feel like offensively and defensively, play calling-wise, I don't think Saban has that much of a hand in the pot during the game, you know? Like, I feel like for the most part, it's similar to Malzahn. Like, like for us, if Malzahn had COVID, like, how much would it affect us? You know, like, when he doesn't call plays, when he doesn't run out subs, when he doesn't really have a hand in the defense, like, how much would that really affect the game? And, you know, I don't watch Alabama as closely as I do Auburn, obviously, but I personally don't think that it'll really affect them much. I think Alabama will pretty much be close to full strength. I think that it could – be more of a difference when it gets kind of a hairy situation like it did toward the end of the game when it's a close game and Alabama has to adjust on the fly and stuff like that. Having a coach that's not experienced in that aspect could hurt them. But I I think that it really won't make a difference unless it's a really close game. I agree about it being a close game. But I also think that this is a terrible matchup. I think Auburn and Ole Miss are probably the two worst teams that this could happen against. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think Saban does help with halftime adjustments on defense and schematic things on the defense, Um, and he won't be able to do that for this game. And I think that Auburn and Ole Miss are both teams that like to throw really, really funky, you know, formations at you. Um, You know, Gus takes a lot of heat, but for some odd reason, I mean, the dude comes out for the Bama games, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. Auburn, even in the games that Auburn's lost on the road, and uh, Bryant Denny, since Gus has been there, they've been, I mean, they've been pretty competitive games. Um, When, honestly, the teams who Gus had were not nearly as talented or as, you know, good as the Alabama team. Um, So even though he hasn't won in Bryant Denny, he always does seem to have a good showing for the Iron Bowl. Um, And I think that this year will be no different. I know that normally it's the last game of the year, and so he can just kind of throw all of his cards out on the deck. Um, But I think he realizes how much this game means, and I think he realizes how much this would help his job security for the next couple years. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so I I don't expect to see him playing this game like there's two more games I'm expecting to see, the the trick plays, the no-holds-bar, Gus. And I think it could be a challenge not having Saban – to help uh, with halftime adjustments, but we'll see. Yeah, and I, you know, to build on that, I do think Auburn will kind of throw the entire playbook at Alabama this week because, you know, yeah, you want to beat Texas A&M. Yeah, you want to beat Mississippi State. Yeah, you want to win your bowl game. But I feel like every Auburn fan would be okay with losing to A&M and Mississippi State if it meant beating Alabama in a season like this, you know, when, when we're not going to go to the playoffs and all that, you know, most Auburn fans don't have the deep hatred for Texas A&M and for Mississippi State, you know? I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, as a conference opponent, you want to win, obviously, but you really want to beat Alabama. So I definitely think that we'll kind of throw the playbook at them. And I don't think – I think that Alabama doesn't have the luxury of being able to do that right with us, you know? 
Because, I mean, Alabama's still got the SEC, you know, if they win this game, they've got the SEC championship against Florida. They've got, you know, potential the playoffs against Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, whoever's in there with them. So those are big games where if they throw everything at Auburn, all those teams are going to be able to see Alabama throwing everything. So Alabama has to be a little bit more conservative with the play calling and the exotic looks and everything that they want to do there. So I think it'll be difficult for them in that aspect when they have an opponent that's throwing it all at them when they still have to be kind of reserved with their uh, play calling and all that. And, uh, I mean, Auburn should beat Mississippi State if we ran. Yeah, I agree. Plays. Like, just talent-wise, after all of their opt-outs and everything and people quitting the team, I mean, Auburn should be able to run. I'm not kidding. Five plays on offense and just play base defense and beat Mississippi State. Like, yeah. the – Throwing the, you know, whole kitchen, everything but the kitchen sink at Alabama should not result in a Mississippi State loss. Yeah. Now, it could result in a Texas A&M loss. That you're going to need, you know, to play a really good game from. But I think if you asked Auburn fans, if you polled, would you rather beat Alabama or Texas A&M, 99.9% would say Alabama. For sure. For sure. Uh, but, yeah, so – we're kind of going to watch right now. ESPN's matchup predictor gives us a 7.8% chance to beat Alabama. The line has shifted from 23.5 to 24.5. Uh, you know, ESPN, Vegas, all that, they are not giving us much of a chance to win. So, you know, the, the Auburn players will definitely have that underdog mentality that really they've had in every Iron Bowl really since 2010. I mean, honestly. And I feel like – honestly. The Iron Bowls have been close. Like, you look at 18, and, yeah, it was a blowout. But at halftime, it was, what, 17-14, I think? Yes. You know, you look at you look at uh, 16, Jalen Hurts threw, what, three picks in the first half, and it was a close game at halftime. I think 14, tied or down by, like, three at halftime. Yeah, and then, you you know, you look at 14 and Bryant-Denny. It was a, you know, close game pretty much the whole way. Uh, I'd say 2012 was really the only game where it was just like just not really a contest. And that was just, I mean, 2012, it wasn't a contest in any game. It wouldn't have mattered who we were playing. We could have been playing a high school team. We probably would have lost that game. But regardless, uh, I, I think that the Auburn players are definitely motivated. I think they're excited. You know, this is, this is why you come to Auburn, to play Alabama in Tuscaloosa on the big stage. You know, I think they're excited, and I'm interested to see how they react to the underdog mentality being a few men short. You know, we'll see how they how they react. And, and, and I know that the listeners will not be shocked that I'm bringing this up. There is a very, very long shot that Auburn still has a playoff hope if they win this game. There is. If Auburn beats Alabama – Texas A&M and Mississippi State, some teams ahead of us lose, i.e. if Clemson loses to Notre Dame or if Ohio State loses a couple games. I'm just saying, Nobes, you can't say it's over until it's over. Wheeler still has the hope for the playoffs. I gave that up. After we left Columbia, South or Columbus, I can't even remember. Columbia, I don't even know. When we left South Carolina with an eight-point loss, that's when I gave up on the playoffs. That's just me. You know, okay, but no, if if Auburn wins this game, if Auburn wins the game on Saturday, do you not think that there's a chance to go to the playoffs? 
if everything goes right and there's a meltdown in front of us and we win out, maybe. Maybe. At least the Sugar Bowl is still on the table. I, I think that if we went, I do think if we went out, I think we go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Okay. I don't think we make the playoffs, but I think we make a New Year's Six if we went out for sure. We definitely make New Year's Six. And if we get lucky, we make the playoff. If we get really lucky. Hey, really we lucky. got really lucky in 2013. Everything crumbled in front of us. In that is true. That is true. But anyway, so that's kind of our preview of the Iron Bowl. Uh, now we're going to shift our attention to basketball. The basketball season starts tomorrow against St. Joseph's. Auburn currently has around an 80% chance to win that game. The line has shifted from 10 to 8.5. Uh, I think that is pretty much a direct result of the fact that Sharif Cooper did not make the trip. He will not be playing against St. Joseph's or against Gonzaga on Friday, assuming we win uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, I feel like the Auburn Auburn basketball has had a really busy week with just kind of the build-up to this game and the the news of the postseason. With no good news. Yeah, all this stuff with Sharif Cooper. I mean, nothing, nothing good has happened. Auburn's kind of scrambling around to find, you know, who's going to, you know, fill whose shoes and all that. So, either what are your initial thoughts about the Sharif Cooper situation and the postseason ban? Um, I'm getting a little nervous about the postseason ban that it's not going to be a one-year thing. Um, as reporters were asking Bruce, you know, if he thought that this was a just punishment, and he said probably not enough um so we could potentially see some scholarship um restrictions um or another year of postseason ban um i don't know i think we'll have to see how this season shakes out to see how the ncaa is going to handle these things um i think that if auburn was not on the hook with this fbi investigation thing that sharif would be playing um, but when you're trying to make a case for a lesser penalty, it's not a great look to be having guys that are declared NCAA ineligible. Um, so I think it really stinks for Sharif. Um, I think it really stinks for Auburn, uh, and for the fans who don't get to watch, you know, one of the nation's best players. Um, and instead the point guard spot is going to be filled with, Tyrell Jones and uh, Justin Powell and possibly even Alan Flanagan, Um, which, you know, it's all about perspective. If people the caliber of, well, maybe not Tyrell, of Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan were going to be playing for Auburn four years ago, they would be the stars. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I don't think that Auburn fans need to get so far down and think, oh, well, we don't have this five-star playing. Like, we're going to be just absolute trash and have no chance to win games. You know? Yeah. Like, Auburn won games when Simeon Bowers and all of that crew and Kareem Canty. I mean, that dude was a baller, and he was like a three-star. You know? Like, yeah, we've gotten very spoiled by, like, oh, he's not ranked in the top 20. Like, how is he even starting? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's plenty of good basketball talent um, out there. I think that, you know, Bruce is really good at coaching guys up who are not necessarily the best. 
um, talent-wise. And from what the rumors have said, Sharif has not practiced in, like, several weeks. So it's not like Auburn's been anticipating Sharif to play. And then, like, two days before the tournament, they're yeah. like, oh, never mind, Tyrell, you're the starter. Allen, get some reps. You know, yeah. Bruce and the staff have known that this was going to be the situation pretty much the entire offseason and have been able to plan accordingly. So, yes, I definitely think it hurts. Um, but also, I don't think that it's time to think that Auburn basketball, the sky is falling. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. But, you know, kind of building on what you said, you know, if you had said, like, if you had said back in the years where it was just rough. I'm saying even you know, when Bruce is here, not even, like, the Barbie era. But, but the thing is, if you look at the Barbie era and we had a four-star player in Tyrell Jones – and you were yeah. like, this guy's going to start, we'd probably be pretty excited, you know? If you look at a guy with the with the talent of Justin Power, Alan Flanagan, you're like, well, this guy's a starter. Well, yeah, he, you know, we, we'd probably be excited. But I do, you know, like what you said, that just because he's not top 20 doesn't mean he's not really good. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how – just how everything works out, how the offense looks, how – because, you know, the, the offense is going to look different than it did last year. It's going to look different than it did two years ago just because of the different personnel – uh, we're going to have a very young team. I'm definitely glad that we're playing St. Joseph's before we have – before we play Gonzaga because it will kind of be like a warm-up game. We should definitely beat St. Joseph's solely based on talent. I mean, talent-wise, we are a lot better than them. I think it will be cool just to kind of see, you know, see how Devin and Allen have kind of developed, see Justin, JT, Cardwell, uh, and really stretch for the first time – uh, in real minutes, seeing Jalen Williams again after his, you know, breakout halfway through the season. I mean, I'm excited to see just, like, how everybody has developed and all that. Um, you know, obviously, we hope that the NCAA will rule Sharif eligible and he won't leave Auburn to go overseas. But, you know, if that happens, you can't really blame him. You know, best of luck to him. But we just got to just kind of hope that uh, that the Auburn team can kind of scrounge together some – some more stuff just to kind of get some wins this season. Uh, but Wheeler, what is your kind of like your ideal lineup right now from, you know, you haven't really seen anything, but just who do you think Auburn's going to kind of roll out there to start the game against St. Joseph's? All right. So who I think we're going to roll out there is not necessarily going to be the best lineup. I think the most potent lineup, and it's really – only changing one person. I think at point guard, I think offensively, Justin Powell is going to be better than Tyrell. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that I, – I don't foresee – I mean, just in the what I've heard about people who have seen practices, and I, I don't think that Tyrell is going to be the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. think that even in January when SEC play rolls around that he's going to be the starting point guard. Whether Sharif is eligible, obviously Sharif's eligible. He's not. But, like, yeah. even if Sharif's not eligible, I doubt that he's going to be our starting point guard. Um, I don't know that he has the handles for it or that he has the vision of the court, you know, to really distribute the way that Bruce likes it. I mean, because the thing about it is Bruce's system is very point guard heavy. Um but another good thing about his system is he doesn't use the point guard quite like 
the traditional point guard. You know, I mean, Samir Doughty is not your traditional point guard, and he was able to play it just fine. Um, at times during the Final Four year, Bryce Brown was having to run point guard before he, they trusted Javon McCormick. Yeah. So seeing Justin Powell and Alan Flanagan, you know, in the rotation at point guard makes me think more that Bruce is going to do – and people call it street ball, but it's just the way – I mean, it's the fluidity that Bruce likes to play with of – we're going to put our best basketball players on the floor. It doesn't really matter, you know, if they're at the one or if they're at the three. As long as they're not turning the ball over, you know, every single possession, I want the guys that are going to pass the best, that give us the best chance to drive and score. Mm -hmm. Um, So that being said, I think starting the game um, just for continuity's sake, I think he'll do more of his traditional lineup of like a one through five with uh, Tyrell – I think I'm not sure who's going to be. Who would you say the two is going to be? Personally, I think it. I think it'll be. So I, I'm just going to go ahead and say what I think my lineup will be. I think it'll be Powell at the one. I think it'll be Allen at the two. Yeah, I think I think Justin Powell will start at the point guard for. All okay, see, I think he's going to be better, but I don't think he'll start the game at the point. Because the thing with me is I'm thinking because you know last year the reason that the reason that Turbo didn't play very often was because he didn't really know the offense. And the fact that we are having our backup small forward from last year and a shooting guard who hasn't played, who who wasn't, we were not planning on him playing point guard this season until, you know, Sharif was out the ineligible. The fact that those two guys are also taking reps makes me think kind of that Turbo is still learning everything. So personally, I think it'll be Powell at the one, Flanagan at the two, Cambridge at the three, and then Jalen Williams and JT Thor at the four and the five. And earlier this season, I was I was a little I was kind of wondering about you know how the how the uh, how the front court would even out, but I think that we'll go with the the lineup of Jalen Williams and JT Thor one because of the talent that they bring and two because of the defense because I think that the you know starting a new point guard all that your offense might have some hiccups going in without having your best player from the class on the floor so I think that we might try and kind of counter that with yeah, that this offense might not be as good as it could have been, but the defense is going to be really good. And we're going to try and kind of win games based on the defense. And I think that JT and Jalen have kind of that – the uh, have the best defensive combination instead of putting a Dylan Cardwell or a Babatunde out there uh, at the five. So that will kind of be my Bruce thing. Bruce is too loyal and too much about people knowing their assignments. I don't. I think it's going to be Tyrell at the one and Stretch at the five, and that's going to be where I'm different from you. Um, I think I, I just don't see him starting JT, especially having not been able to. You know, normally in basketball you have a couple of exhibition games, mm-hmm. and you typically have some scrimmages that are behind closed doors against another team. So that's like three, maybe four games before your first game and even then it was three or four games into the season before he was throwing these freshmen out there I don't see him being able to trust those guys quite yet yeah I mean he might yeah you might be totally right we'll we'll just have to wait and see but another thing that I'm interested to see if he does is if he will explore putting Jalen Williams at the five seeing as how you know, JT, Cardwell, and Stretch are all – yes, they're all taller, and, you know, they, they look more like fives, but they're all more comfortable shooting the three than Jalen Williams is. 
And I think it'll be interesting because, you know, in the past, real, the, uh, it's been a long time, you know, Auburn has had a stretch four, you know, yes. like with Macklemore, Dangel, all that. You know, he's, he's liked having – he's kind of had that cornerstone in his offense that he has a power four that likes to shoot the ball. I think it'd be interesting if he kind of explores with that and just kind of sees how it works. But regardless of who starts, you know, he said today we're going to play 10 to 11. So I think that really everybody that is kind of, you know, I think that everybody that we will see play will be playing against St. Joseph's and Gonzaga. I don't think that it'll be like last year when Jalen Williams didn't play at all at the beginning. And then, you know, we had that little midseason slump and then we just kind of threw him in and he ended up being part of the rotation. I think that we'll kind of play all these guys throughout the season and uh, we'll kind of stick with that 10 to 11 guys. All right. So the 10 to 11 that we probably think it would be Tyrell, Jamal Johnson, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. JT, Stretch, Allen, Jalen Williams, Justin Powell, that's seven. Devin Cambridge, Dylan Cardwell. So that's only nine. I'm wondering if some other guys, uh, Chris Moore maybe getting some time. I, I really think Chris Moore is going to kind of surprise a lot of people. You know, he's got the, he's 6'6, 240, uh, is comfortable shooting the three. At least he was in high school. I think that he might become kind of like that Malik Dunbar role, you know, uh, a good guy at defense, really athletic, and could kind of turn into that three and D role. I definitely think that we'll see Chris Moore. Uh, I think that he kind of plays just the physical brand of basketball that Bruce Pearl likes. Uh, I definitely think that we could see Chris Moore. What about Javon Franklin, who was pretty highly touted coming in last year? I think that he will – I think that we will see him play, but I don't really know how much, you know? Yeah. Because I don't know, like, exactly how much he is, you know, transitioned from how he was last year. But I'll be interested to see. But I I think he'll be – you know, he's listed as a forward. He's 6'7", 220. I think that he will be – toward the bottom of the of the forward depth chart. You know, I think so we'll see, almost like what stretch was last year. Yeah. Point where out. he comes when it's like, you know, it, if someone's in foul trouble and there's a minute left in the game or a minute left in the half, you kind of pull them out and throw them in. I think that that could be kind of his role uh, this season. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's kind of how – the rosters looking i'm really i'm just really excited to be able to you know see auburn basketball it's cool because it's like you know a lot of these guys we've been cut or i've been covering or i've been really looking at their game since they were sophomores in high school and just kind of throughout junior senior year and now that they're freshmen at auburn i think it'll be cool just to kind of see them with the uh wearing the orange and blue and actually seeing them play for auburn i think that'll be a really cool thing for sure but, yeah, so we got a busy, busy week. A lot of stuff's been happening. Playing the number – most likely we'll be playing the number one team in the country in basketball and football back-to-back days. You know, hopefully we can knock off one or both of them. We'll have to wait and see uh, how all that works out. But, yeah, that's just kind of how and where we're at. So, yeah, we right. will – most likely have another podcast next week, kind of breaking down more of what will be going on the week after this and kind of previewing everything that happened this week. But we're excited for all this and War Eagle. War Eagle.